You're listening to the That's My Financial Guy podcast, where we talk about life, love, the funny, and of course, money. What could go wrong? Uh, Welcome to another episode of the That's My Financial Guy podcast. I am thrilled to have uh, Barbara Provost with me. Uh, I am your host, Brian Haney of the Haney Company, and we're going to have a great time uh, talking to her and hearing some, some amazing insights, expertise, and wisdom. So thank you, Barbara, for joining us today. Well, thank you for having me. Well, let me, uh, let's, let's have a little bit of fun before we get into too much. Would you rather visit space or the ocean floor? Wow, that's a great question. And I would have to say the ocean floor. Yeah. I just, I think there's so much going on down under the water and so many magnificent creatures down there that it would be fun to get down there and take a look around. Yeah, no, I, I myself, I, I, I think I'm leaning that direction. And I, especially, I only saw the trailer for that movie Gravity where, you know, the, the people like essentially float away into space. That, yeah. that seems like a terrifying thing. Not that, Drowning isn't as terrifying, but yeah, uh, I like that. All right. If you could be a superhero, what superpower would you have? Oh, I'd love to be invisible. I would just like to walk around and do my own thing and either be a parent if I wanted to or go back and be invisible when I just didn't want to be known that I was there. <laughs> I could go anywhere I wanted then. True. Yeah. And probably, you know, get in on some interesting conversations i suppose yeah yeah that would be cool That's a lot of legs. all right i like that um if you could live anywhere in the world you wanted for a year with no consideration for cost where would you want to live i'd have to say italy okay. i just i visited there i loved it i loved the way that they lived i loved the sound of the uh language um I loved all that it had to offer and especially the food. So I'd have to say Italy. Any particular part of Italy that you enjoyed more than others? Um, well, I haven't been throughout all of Italy, so I'd like to really explore it a little bit more. I've been to Rome, but I'd like to get to Naples and a few other places and take a look around. Awesome. Yeah, no, I, I, having, having visited it uh, myself, I, I completely agree. It's just an amazing country with amazing Yeah. I think you can't go wrong there. Um, and of course, besides this podcast, what other podcasts do you listen to that you would like to recommend? One of, I listen to a lot of podcasts, actually. And one of my favorite ones, my go-to is The Moth. Have you heard of it? I don't know that I have. Tell me about it. Oh my gosh. The Moth is great because it's just people who get up and tell their story. Um, all different topics. There are true stories that had happened to them. And um, they're such slices of life of what's happened to people. They, they're happy stories, funny stories, sad stories, and they do practice it. So they get up and they have about five minutes in front of a mic, no notes, nothing. And they just have to tell their story. And it's just amazing when you hear life experiences of so many different people around the world. And I highly, highly recommend it. That sounds awesome. Storytelling is one of my favorite things. So um, yeah, you'll love it then. It's a great recommendation. I appreciate it. Well, and, and let's, let's dig into your story then. Can you tell the audience a little bit about yourself and what you do and give us a little background? Sure. Um, so my name is Barb Provo, as you mentioned, and 
my background is that I'm an adult educator. So people say, well, what is that? Uh, <laughs> well, I, <laughs> I'm, you know, sometimes you'll find educators in universities. Um, I have a doctorate in adult and higher learning, but a master's in business. And I've always worked in the insurance and financial arena. And what I love doing is creating really great education and training uh, so that professionals, can I say, I say are confident and competent in the work that they do. So oftentimes I see people go, oh, I have to go to training and they kind of roll their eyes like this is going to be really boring. I love to create training where people are eager to go to. They know when they're there, they're going to be engaged and they know they're going to walk away with uh, a new skill or a new behavior or change, something they can implement to grow their business. That's fascinating. And now, do you have any particular parts of training in terms of whether it's subject matter or business acumen? Are there any particular subjects that um, you focus more on or is it, you know, a, a more general approach or is it what people ask you to do? Well, um, I have my own consulting company, Provo Consulting, and what I've been doing for about almost 15 years with that company is working inside other or consulting with lots of different uh, financial institutions. They may need help launching a new product that needs training to support it. They may have some strategic changes that are going on within the organization where people need to learn new roles or new responsibilities, or they might have, you know, a brand new office opening, or they have onboarding of new agents or new staff that they need to build education for. So I've been doing a lot of that for many, many years. But my passion now is my second company that I built called Purse Strings, where um, I've observed that the female market was overlooked inside these organizations and did all the research and found it to be validated. So now what I like to do is teach insurance and financial professionals how to engage in the female market in order to grow their business. That's fantastic. And um, I, I, that's a wonderful segue into you know part of the passion area that I know we both share, which is on seeing people in the financial industry grow more diverse practices, have a broader impact and a broader capacity to serve more people, uh, certainly, especially people that may not look, sound, or act like them, um, how powerful that is. And certainly, you know, as you stated, the, the underserved female market is, is a big part of that. Now, when you see that from a market development standpoint, what are some things that you uh, like to, you know, say to a financial professional to help equip somebody uh, to try to approach uh, women and, and maybe some things that are nuanced that, uh, you know, people don't already uh, think about? Yes. Um, great question. So oftentimes uh, people will say, oh, I treat all my customers the same. You know, I don't pigeonhole, I don't segment, you know, and what I'm saying is, you know, you don't treat all your children the same. You don't treat all of your friends the same. You know, their nuances and their differences and what they like and don't like. And so when you're thinking about your customers, Women want something different from their financial providers than what men may want. And I've done a lot of research on this, and I've held a lot of focus groups, and I've learned that women are often turned off when they're treated uh, somewhat generically by their financial professional. And so what I mean by that is when you look at a day in the life of a woman who's very, very busy, 
who has a lot wears a lot of hats throughout the day. It could be volunteer, it could be full-time mom, it could be full-time worker, part-time mom, it could be a lot of different hats. Their plate is full. So when they're dealing with professionals, financial professionals or others, they want somebody who's going to make it easy to do business with them. Hmm. So that's the first and uh, foremost thing. So easy to do business, what does that look like? Well, um, it looks like sending me a text when you know a bill is due, not an email, because that way it's top of mind for me. It's about asking questions in terms of changes in my um, personal life and, and really setting those appointments to sit down. It's about really getting to know me know my children, know my family situation, know if I'm even married or not, know kind of be a step ahead of me so that you can guide and counsel me as I need you to. No, that's, I, I mean, I couldn't say it any better. And, and as you um, communicate this to a financial industry, what are some of the common stumbling blocks that you've seen in, in all your years of training specific to this and maybe even beyond just the female market that maybe professionals seem to have trouble with, whether it's an adoption or whether it's a, a certain paradigm that they need to kind of get out of their own way? What are, what are some things that you've had to kind of overcome that are somewhat common? Mm -hmm. Well, you know, it first started when I was, um, I've created training for a large financial institution and I was distributing these marketing materials out to each of the learners. And I realized it was a mom, dad, uh, and two children, you know, boy and a girl, hand in hand running down the beach. So that was the picture reflective on a lot of the marketing materials. And I thought, I said to someone, who is this, who is this product for? And they said, well, it's for anybody. I said, well, what do you mean anybody like? Is it for families? And they said, oh, no, it's like for you or for me. And at the time I was single and I thought, oh, this product is for me? Because I didn't get that from the marketing materials, even just by looking at them. And they were materials that, would, that were customer-facing. So um, I looked, started looking, looking more closely at the materials and who they were reflecting. And the people on the materials, although it's gotten a lot better, were not diverse. Um, you know, I think about if somebody were divorced and they saw a happy family skipping down the beach that can make them very sad or mad or angry or, or not align or relate to that product just by the picture. So I started to think about what what's reflective of a more diverse group? Because if you look at the di uh, demographics today, you have, you know, single women, divorced women, widows, you have women who've never married, you have married women, you have LGBTQ women, uh, so you have women that are much more diverse and they need to be reflective just in the marketing materials. The first thing uh, a woman will see when they're doing business with you. So that's just exactly the first facade or, or look I got for a sense of the organization and a sense of the products they were selling. And that was my first knee jerk reaction. The visual component is hugely important, but also, I mean, you really kind of quantified in a very succinct way, the lack of personalization and customization that I think is not just important for marketing materials, certainly, uh, certainly very important, but also the same kind of framework and personalization uh, from a, an engagement standpoint is needed, I would imagine, for financial professionals. Because you made the point earlier, you know, certainly women, and I imagine maybe even just, you know, your average uh, potential client or prospect doesn't 
want to have some sort of a generic canned uh, experience from a professional. It's important to uh, connect on a, a, a more meaningful level, a personal level. Uh, and that involves, you know, maybe getting outside of one's own comfort zone, but certainly taking some additional steps to understand, you know, if it's not just a woman I'm sitting across from, what is her situation personally, professionally, and otherwise? Uh, exactly. But, yes. Well, and, and so, you know, if you're, if you were to, to speak to uh, the financial industry, uh, do you have you know two or three major uh, kind of takeaway things you would want to equip uh, the general you know audience of industry professionals with to really uh, try to move the needle in this area and become maybe uh, you know better professionals to work with women and, and more diverse audience? Yes, uh, it takes you know it doesn't happen overnight. It takes training. It takes um, awareness, it takes being really conscious of one's own behavior and how they act on a day-to-day -day basis, which is, you know, unconscious bias, which I'm sure you've heard that before. We all have it. I have it. You have it. We all have it. We are just, we just have knee-jerk reactions, but it really takes stepping back and really learning about what are the changes in my customer base and what are the changes in the demographics of our world today? And what do I need to learn about what these groups need and want from me? Um, especially when we're talking about women. You know, women, uh, their emotions and their world revolves around family. So oftentimes women, when they're making big decisions, including financial decisions, buying life insurance, investments, they're thinking about the impact to their families, whether it be their parents or their children or their siblings, they're not always thinking about what's the return on my investment. Although that's important, they're thinking about planning for the people around them. So that's another important insight when you're thinking about dealing with women versus dealing with men. Yeah, that's a great point, especially given the fact that a lot of times I think it can be challenging for maybe the average person in the industry to do more active listening, maybe ask some additional probing questions uh, to really understand that, you know, the motivating values uh, that a woman might be, you know, considering when it comes to those types of decisions. Because I think a lot of times it can be easier and certainly a lot of professionals are trained to see the problem, solve the problem. And, you know, if it seems if A, then B, I think it's sometimes we almost stop short. But from what you're, you're saying, it, it sounds like that, you know, some of these, you know, soft skills and maybe, you know, some behavioral economic skills in terms of knowing how to ask better, more, you know, engaging questions and really also taking the time to understand, you know, the woman and, and where she might be coming from. It sounds like that's kind of you know, maybe the foundational component for, for somebody to improve in, in this area. Exactly. You hit it right on the head. And those are all behaviors that uh, sometimes they're not innate. Uh, we are in our business practices. We're busy. Um, phones are ringing. You know, people are texting us. And we're, um, we're not being focused on our consumer, on our customer, and really engaging to the level that women like to be engaged in terms of, are you really paying attention to me? Um, I'm handing you my money. Are you really going to treat it with respect and dignity? And are you going to treat me the same way? Because that's important. I love how you just framed that because I think that those are maybe 
words and qualities that that aren't always top of mind, even though you would think that they should be helping to make sure that your clients feel respected and cared for, not just that you did the right thing for them professionally in terms of financial transaction, but we're talking about more than, than just that and really kind of going beyond that, uh, that threshold. Are there certain things that you've seen help develop that type of a level of respect or things that maybe a professional can do to show a higher level of care? Sure. Well, and I've built a whole course on this, and it's really an assessment of how you currently uh, practice your business today and if it aligns with what women want um, from their financial provider. And a lot of it is in the nuance. It's everything from how your office is set up to how your your uh, website is set up, how you answer the phones, what you really know and learn about me, how your staff in, engages with me, how easy it is or not easy it is to do business with you. Can I find you? Are you easy to locate? Um, you know, just simple things that can be very frustrating. I was talking with an agent who took my course and he said to me, gosh, you know, I don't have a sign out front. I never really thought about it. I mean, my customers know where I am. And then he said, although some have complained that they've had to turn around a few times because they didn't know where my office was. And I thought, oh, you need to get a sign out front. I mean, it sounds so simple, but if I were a new customer and I was on my way to see you and I had to turn around a few times, I'd be frustrated right out of the gate that you had no signage, you were hard to find. Um, do you have enough parking spaces? Is the parking lot um, safe? So there's a lot of nuances that if it's not you're not easy to do business with, I'll just go to the next person because as you well know, there's a lot of competition out there. You're doing such an excellent job of really stressing, I think. Uh, these are many elements that, that make up a practice. Uh, but, you know, I think a lot of times the average industry professional probably doesn't think about all of those components. You know, we can get so narrowly focused on you know, the way that we engage in order to deliver, a, you know, an insurance policy or do some investment management or a financial plan. But, you know, it's the totality of how people experience you and how you work with them that, that matters. And, you know, that's lines up with kind of a brand consideration. You know, what are, what are the visual components to working with you? What are the, you know, ease of doing business in terms of getting to you, communicating with you? All of those things really do matter. Uh-huh. And perhaps, you know, now more than ever before, because you're right, there's a lot of ways people can uh, accomplish their, their financial needs, some of which may not even involve a person. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So. There are, um, in fact, I just was sent a notice of a, a new bank that's being opened, a woman-led and bank for women um, in Chicago. So that's going to be opening in the summer. There are, you know, online investments uh, uh, where women can invest for women that elevest. There are people who are seeing, you know, women who are not happy with the insurance and financial producers because they're not really being looked at as individuals and their needs are not being served. And they're even given the same products um, across the board where the products really need to be looked at and really need to be um, assessed as to what are the products that are best for women. Women have very different needs than men do when it comes to making investments because, as you well know, oftentimes we leave the workforce. We don't have access to benefits and opportunities to grow 401k with a match or any of that. Yet, who's going to be the sole 
user for the most part of those investments, the woman. No, you're absolutely right. I want to I want to segue a little bit and, and maybe turn some of our conversation on its head and, and look at now kind of the financial industry as a whole, but talk about how can we improve the makeup of those that are in the role of a financial professional, insurance professional or advisor, because the industry as a whole also suffers from a lack of diversity. And that's certainly, uh, you know, there's a lot of organizations I know we're, we're, we're both a part of some of them that are yes. change that, but you know, what are some things that you see from a diversity, uh, you know, an inclusion and equity standpoint that, you know, maybe the industry really needs to, uh, you know, engage at a higher level on. Right. So I've also been working in this area. And um, as you will take a look at your own organization and the organizations in which you do business, how many women are in the leadership uh, level of those organizations? How many women's voices are being heard at the top where decisions are being made about product, about process, about operations, and about the leader, the leadership of the organization as a whole? Oftentimes, you don't see a lot of women at the table. So more women in leadership. You need more women in the financial, uh, financial roles. So I've been working with organizations to build out what an onboarding would look like, an engagement for women. So women cannot always do the traditional eight to five expected role because what are they doing? Trying to get children off to school right? Uh, making sure that they're safe and sound where they need to be during the day. Maybe they need to leave to pick up a sick child. Maybe they're caring for a sick parent. So they need a lot more flexibility in their schedule. So where can these financial institutions create ways to engage women and work and schedule within their workflow in which their daily routine can be nimble enough that they can accommodate a more flexible schedule? Things like that. Uh, what is the atmosphere like inside the organization? Is it accommodating to women? Is it respectful of women? Is it supportive of women? Is it helping them learn and grow? Uh, what are they doing to support them as individuals? Because they need different support mechanisms than the traditional male routine. So there's lots of different nuances are some of them, but also overarching changes that need to be made. I'm also working with universities and trying to educate the women who are graduating with finance degrees to help them learn what's the day in the life of someone in a financial institution, whether it be an independent agency owner, a PNC uh, provider, life insurance, financial planner. What does it take from an education standpoint, from a certification standpoint, from a licensing standpoint, and really providing them pathways to come into organizations and get the support they need to grow and to learn in their job. And I love that word pathway, because uh, I think that that is such a wonderfully descriptive way of, you know, quantifying what you're talking about in terms of creating inroads and, and mm-hmm. really reaching an audience in a meaningful way that allows them to see themselves in that role. I think it's, it can be easily said that the financial industry has not done a very adequate job of doing that, of reaching to diverse markets, especially to attract women as, as a professional. And that's something that's, that's absolutely needed and, and certainly, I think, a huge area where those organizations that recognize uh, not just from a leadership opportunity standpoint, but, but from a, 
you know, an industry growth standpoint that if you're not uh, willing to, to build this out the right way, then you know, you're really going to suffer in the long term. Right, because the stats will tell you that the typical financial provider is an older uh, white gentleman and they will be retiring. Um, yep. So there's going to be a need to bring in some new opportunity into the organizations and that will also need to include women. And if you're not equipping your organization to meet the needs of a female financial provider in your industry, then they may go to the organization that is providing that. And as you well know, many women now have female dentists, female doctors, female whatever, and they're looking for female financial planners, not just because they're women, but they're looking for those people who know them, who understand their life, and who are willing to accommodate and work as a partner with them over their lifetime. Yeah. And, you know, when you were talking about the need to have a better framework for nimbleness and understanding this industry, like many industries, is, is such a wonderful one to be in because of the impact that you can, you can have in it. Um, and it's also one where I think, you, you know, the industry itself needs to really uh, solidify, quantify how empowering it can be for women to do these jobs and, and, and how, you know, it can fit uh, a lifestyle that doesn't have, you know, that is never going to be, a, you know, the traditional eight to five. You know, I don't think that that's a story that we were talking about storytelling. I don't think that's a story that the industry is doing a good enough job of telling, but you know, it seems like that that's hopefully something that a lot of, you know, a lot of part of the industry can start to, to do more effectively. Mm-hmm. Agreed. I want to go back to storytelling, uh, maybe just kind of to, to take some of this home. It's no secret how technology has transformed pretty much every aspect of our lives from the way that we communicate, the way that we purchase things, the way that we even think. It's just, you know, we are in a, a new age and it's not going back. <laughs> right. <laughs> so um, having said that, it seems like now technology also can really help I think equip a lot of people in the industry to tell better stories and maybe develop better relationships as long as A, the intentionality is there and also B, you're able to ask the right questions. How have you seen, you know, successes in utilizing and developing technology to do a better job of connecting with, with women and diverse audiences? And what would you encourage somebody, uh, you know, as a financial professional to do? So, you know, technology, I look at that as uh, a resource, a tool. I would uh, say that sometimes technology can get in our way. It can make us more efficient and more effective. You know, I love the idea of texting. I love FaceTiming, especially with my children if they're away. But the reality is it's best when they're eyeball to eyeball, right? And we're, we're really sitting down across the table without technology, without the phone, and really pen to paper, may having an engaged conversation and learning about uh, one another and what their needs are. And a lot of times it's in having the good conversation and then sometimes it's in that pregnant pause when you ask a question and you allow someone the time they need to really answer it for them. Like, what are your concerns? You know, I think that's a great question when you're talking with women. And just not saying another word 
and just pausing and waiting for her to really get her thoughts together and really consider what are my concerns when I think about my money, my long-term financial plan, uh, the people who will be affected by these decisions in my life, and what is it that, they, that I want for them. Uh, so a lot of those conversations uh, without distractions, I think, is where you can really get into the meat of what your customer wants and needs from you. Yeah, that's a great point. And I appreciate the contrast. Technology, right? A lot of people say, I love it. I hate it. And so it's neither good nor bad. It's not evil. It's not good. It just depends on how you use it and who's using it, right? Um, mm-hmm. Right. Great point to remember. I've certainly seen a lot of folks using it to at least begin that engagement and, and maybe even have that brand awareness component that 20, 30 years ago in the absence of technology, you, you didn't have or you, you couldn't do. Um, but to be able to you know, start a conversation or get to know somebody almost virtually before you have that you know, eyeball to eyeball moment, seems like that's a more pragmatic and practical way to, to deploy it for yourself, both as an individual practitioner and also institutionally as well, I think. Uh, you know, it's good to be able to use it to break down those barriers and start having more meaningful conversations that allow people to tell their story. I so agree. Perfect. Perfectly well stated. Well, I, I, I just want to thank you for, uh, for coming on the show and for being able to have such an important conversation especially about, you know, part of the market that I know we are both extremely passionate about seeing grow and improve. Do you have any final parting thoughts or any shout outs that you want to leave? Sure. I'd like to um, shout out, of course, my business, Purse Strings. It's PurseStrings.co. What we do is we provide free online tools and resources that help women make smart financial decisions and prep them to have those conversations with the likes of people like you. If they want to know, you know, what should I know about life insurance before I go have this conversation? Or what should I know about retirement planning? What should I know about, you know, purchasing my first home? We offer um, life and money guides that provide them, kind of just arms them with information, knowledge, resources um, that arm them with the information to have so they can go have a good conversation with their financial professional. We're really kind of educating your client for you as well. And we provide online education for insurance and financial professionals on what women want from their financial professional and gives them an opportunity to really assess their own business practices and see where am I doing things really well and where am I, I might be able to improve my business practices to better engage the female market. Wonderful. And if somebody needed to get a hold of you, how would they do that? They could just email me at barb, B-A-R-B, at B as in my first name, Barbara, and my last name, Provost, P-R-O-V, like victory, O-S-T, dot com. Wonderful. Well, thanks again for being on. Sure. Thanks for listening to this month's episode of the That's My Financial Guy podcast. We hope you enjoyed yourself. If you'd like to get a hold of us, you can find us online at thehaneycompany.com or on Twitter at The Haney Company. The information provided in this podcast is not intended as specific tax or legal advice and may not be relied upon for purposes of avoiding any federal tax penalties. The Haney Company, its employees and representatives are not authorized to give tax or legal advice. Individuals are encouraged to seek advice from their own tax or legal counsel. Individuals involved in the estate planning process should work with an estate planning team, including their own personal legal or tax counsel. 
The information provided here does not constitute personal financial advice, but is meant as the conveyance of information for educational purposes only. All investing involves risk, including the risk of loss. Past performance is not indicatory of future returns. Guarantees are backed by the claims-paying ability of the insurer. Brian Haney is a registered representative of Coastal Equities Incorporated and an investment advisory representative of Coastal Investment Advisors Incorporated. Investment advisory services are offered through Coastal Investment Advisors Incorporated, and securities are offered through Coastal Equities Incorporated, member FINRA SIP.